I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, June 17th, 2020. I'm Trey Inks. Hundreds of millions could be at risk of starvation by the end of the year amid the coronavirus outbreak. For countries and places that are that are more fragile, that already have a lot of issues, be it like political instability or just high levels of, of hunger and poverty in the first place, COVID is just another exacerbating factor for people in that circumstance. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. Before the global spread of COVID-19, millions around the world were struggling with food security. With global supply chains halted in many areas and international focus shifted to fighting coronavirus, experts warn of dire consequences if more international action isn't taken. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Jada McKenna, the COO of CARE, an organization working to end world hunger and defeat poverty. Starting first in Iraq, where more than 700 coronavirus deaths are being reported, though the situation is likely much worse. The Iraqi health ministry is publicly reporting more than 1,000 new cases of COVID-19 each day. Though limited testing and access to medical facilities in many parts of the country make it difficult to get a full understanding of the situation. Iraqi Prime Minister Mustafa al-Kadimi has accepted medical aid from Poland, but faces a number of political and economic hurdles in the coming weeks. Now to Syria, that is reporting less than 10 deaths from coronavirus. The country is in an economic freefall, due in part to coronavirus and financial difficulties in neighboring Lebanon. The World Food Program says that 9.3 million Syrians face food insecurity, making them more susceptible to disease and sickness. In Syria, like Iraq, it's difficult to get a full picture of just how bad the outbreak is outside of major cities like Damascus. Finally, in Yemen, fighting has escalated in recent weeks between Houthi rebels and pro-government forces after a temporary ceasefire expired last month. The ceasefire was originally put into place due to the spread of COVID-19. The country could see more than 200,000 deaths from coronavirus, according to a UN report, due to the uniquely vulnerable population. Yemen remains on the brink of famine as a bloody five-year civil war rages on. So what does this parallel hunger emergency look like when it comes to food shortages and malnutrition in the time of coronavirus? We are an international development and humanitarian relief organization. This is Jada McKenna, the COO of CARE. So uh, what that means is, is we are there when countries experience floods or earthquakes or typhoons. We're there right on the ground with humanitarian assistance right away. But we also have long-term development programming in low-income countries, um, primarily empowering women and girls, but spanning everything from um, food and agriculture to education um, to supporting public health systems. So we are on the ground care in, in 90 countries um, with, with very active presence there and also work really closely with local organizations as well to be really community-based in our work. I know you have a lot of experience across the board at NGOs and Habitat for Humanity, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and I really wanted to get your take on the current situation and how bad of a situation it really is. I think when you talk about world hunger and poverty, very few people understand the true extent of the issue before a global pandemic like coronavirus, but there are millions at risk of starvation. So how do you see it? How much of a risk are people at amid this pandemic? And even outside of a pandemic like coronavirus, what types of dangers are humans around the world facing? 
You're right. You know, for for countries and places that are that are more fragile that already have a lot of issues, be it like political instability or just high levels of of hunger and poverty in the first place, COVID is just another exacerbating factor for people in that circumstance. Um, so. You know, I, uh, one of our participants in one of our West Africa programs um, said it, you know, she said, um, do I let my family go hungry for a cough, right? And so uh, we're, we're seeing this play out in a lot of different ways, right? In countries that have had lockdowns similar to what we had, um, we've seen that people who had income, you know, people count on that income to feed their family, they send it back home to villages. Uh, so we found like one in, in, like in Palestine, for example, one in two women lost all income because of that. In East Africa, 74% of the women lost it. Um, and, and especially where there have been prohibitions on movements. In a lot of these countries, uh, the work is very informal. People work in the informal market. So what that looks like for a woman in El Salvador is that she farms for food and income from her family. She's used to going to local markets to sell her goods on a daily basis. Um, she feeds her kids. She's usually when the kids eat, she eats last. So that's normal day to day. In the age of COVID now, her kids may not be going to school, right? So any food that the kids get at school is no longer happening. Um, there's, she can't go to the market every day to sell her goods, or, or that's harder to move around. So that's income that's not coming in. Um, women are more susceptible to domestic violence in the home. And so now when everyone is kind of together and huddled, they're there. Um, we work in Yemen. You know, in a lot of our countries, it's very common for the homes to be multi-generational and for a lot of people living in small environments. So, you know, the idea of social distancing is just not practical in a lot of countries. Um, there's, they suffer from testing difficulties. And there are also other diseases that could look like COVID, right? So someone could, you know, have a fever. Maybe they have malaria. Maybe it's COVID. Uh, you know, there's cholera in some places because of storms. So all of this just compounds things. But the health systems in a lot of countries are, are not that functional anyway with COVID. They're broken. There's a lot of social stigma and fears. You know, we've had a few examples where people in more remote areas were convinced that it's, you know, foreigners bringing it or people who live in cities, right? So we've had trouble accessing some of those areas. Um, so all the same things that we're dealing with around misinformation, um, loss of income from the ability to move around, fear of the sickness, not knowing if people even have COVID, and then you add on top of that um, domestic violence, the already the ongoing poverty and hungry, poor nutrition that people may have already had being exacerbated, other illnesses in the community. For refugee camps, we work in a lot of refugee camps, it already is a situation where people are crowded on top of each other. They are reliant on people outside every day coming in with food. If our staff can't get in Jordan, can't get to the Azraq refugee camps to deliver food, there's no food for the people there. And so we, it, it, it's another thing, but it, it's, it's very threatening, and it's, just, it's much harder in terms of people moving around and getting things done, and, and, and people are more trapped with COVID. So it's, it's just more devastating. And the, the waves of it, we're seeing countries fall victim or, or have more COVID increases in different waves. Um, so right now it's really at its peak in Latin America and you're seeing a lot of people in countries very close to us being affected and, and having increased deaths. But, but in Africa, it's kind of slowly taking off. So um, it, it, this is going to be an issue for us for a very long time. And, and if we don't really act aggressively now, we'll be dealing with the after effects of hunger and famine and other things for a very long time.
Certainly. I, I think it's incredible just how far reaching the efforts of care are. You talk about Yemen. We've seen increased fighting in recent weeks after this temporary ceasefire that was in place as a result of coronavirus. And you talk about the Palestinians. We've spoken with a lot of Palestinians in Gaza who are struggling, A, not only with social distancing, but B, like you said, when we see these broad economic impacts, it often trickles down to as you mentioned, someone who's headed to the market with goods, a woman who may just make a, a few dollars a week off of selling goods and then not be able to feed her family. And like you said, kids who would normally rely on schools, uh, looking specifically at Gaza, like UN schools that would provide food, are no longer having that resource. I wanted to ask you about the supply chains for food when it comes to world hunger. What have you seen in terms of supply chains being affected by the coronavirus outbreak, and how does that impact CARE's ability to deliver aid to countries around the world? Yeah, so that's a great question and one that we're watching really carefully. So most, most food supply is local for people, right? They're, they're, you know, it's produced locally, it's, it's going into cities or it's going locally. So we've seen that disrupted. But a, a lot of programs rely, like school feeding, a, a lot of like major big systems rely on imported food from the U.S. or other places uh, just for, for regular staple grains. And, um, and so you've seen some transportation issues. You've seen breakdowns of employees of that transport. Um, like, you know, if, if, a, if a few truck drivers are sick, they can't get things out in the field in time. Um, they're also one of, the, one of the big issues in these places is there's not a lot of storage capacity. You know, the, the supply chains are very weak. There's not a lot of cold storage available. Um, so you're also sadly seeing some increases in food waste where if things can't get to where they're, they're getting fast enough. Um, that, that food is at very high risk of going to waste if it needs any type of refrigeration or special storage, which was in short supply in many areas as well. You've been listening to Jada McKenna, the COO of CARE. We'll be right back. When CARE is delivering aid to places like Jordan or to Yemen, what does it look like on the ground? Are you finding difficulty in actually being able to distribute food aid because of concerns about coronavirus spreading among aid workers? Yeah, so what we have done, um, and we actually have gotten some great pictures back from the field, we are still, especially in places like Yemen, we are still distributing food uh, as as normal, right? We're, we're taking all the precautions to make sure that our staff are healthy. Um, there are really strict protocols around that, but we also have put in place very strict social distancing protocols in delivering that food. So, so lots of spacing, people six feet apart, lots of ways we hand off. There may have been times where we went more directly into communities to give food, whereas now we might ask people to come to a central point to do it. But we are working very hard to have normal food delivery as is. Where it got most difficult for us was in refugee camp situations where at some points there were some stoppages of people in and out. For the most part, we've been able to, to get back into those places. But, but food delivery is, is of the highest priority to continue. And so we have just get, get given our staff all of the protective equipment they need um, and making sure that all of our staff are, are just, you know, Perfect, in perfectly good health and, and wearing all the equipment to still delay, to safely carry out that mission. 
Absolutely. It's also a, a social stability point of view, too. A, uh, a hungry crowd is an angry crowd, right? And so it's, Certainly, it's really yeah. important. The food, the food dynamic, you just can't underestimate the, the dynamic of the availability of food and what it can do. The bravery of some of these aid workers to put their lives on the line, risk infection, and get out in the field to ensure that this aid is getting to vulnerable populations is really incredible as well. I wanted to ask you about how you make people care about world hunger, especially during a pandemic where people are concerned about their own health and their own safety because the coronavirus doesn't pick and choose countries to affect. It doesn't care about borders. It affects humans all over the world, young and old. So while you have a virus that is garnering so much global attention, I imagine there can be difficulty in saying, well, hey, look, there's this other major health emergency that is ongoing that people need to be paying attention to. So, you know, I, I hear you talk and you talk about individuals, obviously, that stand out in your mind that you are changing their lives by providing this aid. Is that an approach that care takes generally when trying to explain this issue to people who maybe don't know that much about world hunger? We do, and in fact, we even had a campaign at one point called Walk in Her Shoes, um, be, because it is these, these are actual individuals that, that look a lot like us who have the same dreams for their children and same hopes for their families. Um, I'm always uh, continually amazed by the generosity of the American people and the spirit. You know, this is one of these rare examples where we are being impacted by coronavirus ourselves. My neighborhood right now is having a canned food drive uh, for, for the local food bank and for local families. Uh, but what we have seen is that um, Americans are still responding, right? And I think when they think about how difficult their situation is now or what it's like to work from home or social distance or to collect to collect unemployment, uh, they can they, they can more relate to the person who's in a refugee camp who can't distance or doesn't have access to employment or who can't get to a grocery store to get the food that they need. And, and I think telling the stories... Um, of those people and helping to just bring it home, what that means uh, is really important to getting people to care. The, the final thing is exactly what you said about this virus. It, it knows no boundaries, right? And so we, as Americans, will not be safe until we have kind of eradicated or, or treated this virus globally. Um, and particularly we look at what, what Latin America is going through right now. And even what we've gone through, it, it could get worse. So, so we really need to think that this is everybody's problem, um, and we collectively need to address it, and, and we need to face what this might look like for different types of people in different places. It's such important work that you and the organization are doing. Jada McKenna, the COO of CARE. Jada, thank you again for your time. Thank you for having us, and, and thank your audience for caring and, and learning more about this. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.